At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recently, the Air Force somehow, for a 10-day period of time, had no money. Do you guys know how that happened? I, I can speak to it, yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear. So it's a, there's a, some legislative liaison guy is going to be pissed about this explanation, but basically at HASC and SASC, they're using, um, we basically have to reappropriate funds or reprogram funds, however it works every year because it's hard to determine which pot of money uh, our our moving expenses and our bonuses go into. And so every year we, we submit this and it gets approved and then we pay our bonuses and guys can PCS. But there is an approval process that goes through the HASC or the SASC or both or whatever. And the current fight between the Republicans and the Democrats, specifically with the state of Colorado and the state of Alabama, is where they're going to house the headquarters for U.S. Spacecom. Mm. So they, I mean, they think the interim one is in Sea Springs. Um, and then Donald Trump threw down with the fact that it was going to be in Alabama. And then they still, like the guys from Colorado, still wanted to be in Sea Springs. And the folks in Alabama wanted to be in Alabama for like all the reasons, right? Um, and so the representative from Alabama, who is the chairman of the HASC, is basically holding up that a piece, a portion of legislation, part of which is the reprogramming of the funds that pay out bonuses, um, as, I don't know, as kind of a flex to, to let people know that he wants that U.S. space kind of be housed in, um, in Alabama, which is butchering this entire thing and oversimplifying it, but that's my understanding of it. And so it didn't get passed. And the, the fact that our money was wrong is, is a testament to what they're claiming is obviously inflation, uh, not being able to appropriately, um, not being able to appropriately um, frag out how much we're going to spend on bonuses and how much we're going to have to spend on PCS moves due to inflation. And it, I think to everybody it was very surprising, but it, like everything else, man, like it just, it's something that we do every year and it just didn't work this year due to political posturing and they fixed it in seven days. So I think they just wanted to make the headlines to to be able to talk about the fact that they would like U.S. Spacecom to be housed in Alabama. I don't know. That, that's my understanding of it. It seems dumb, and I think that we should remove any any sort of payment to troops or their ability to plan their lives around their PCSs, because that's already a miserable process, from any sort of pork barrel politics, man. It seems insane that that would be 
leveraged to try to do anything other than just help service members, man. Um, but there's there's people that do that for a job. They're gonna be a lot smarter on that. Is that about what you think? Yeah, well, that was the best well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, and and it, it's frustrating because exactly how you finish that statement is is what I agree with. Is that the fact that they use the military member and their ability to move and yeah. and permanent like PCS permanent change of station like you're you're trying to buy a house you're trying to enroll your kids in school like so for seven days even though that's not like that's a that's a some seems like an insignificant amount of time some for that people had period PCS of time, in those seven days man like some people had to plan their yeah. lives and could not and could not do it just like hey you're not moving now and like you got to go through a whole different you know methodology in your life like what the next two years looks like. If you're that person, that sucks, man. Yeah. And and to do it over the summer, which if people don't know, like the summer is PCS season. Like mm-hmm. April to October is when the majority of your military members move. So if there's a period of time you don't want those seven days to be, it's that period of time, which it turns out it was. Uh, and I get it. I mean, everybody's – the political posturing knows no bounds, but it's just yeah. it's just frustrating when they're – whether they knew it or not, that they were willing to, to risk or, or put those people out for that, you know, desire or drive. Yeah. Or, and then, and you look, you look out and you're like, could we, could we do a better job at understanding exactly how much we're going to need to pay folks for bonuses or how much PCSs are going to, are going to pay like maybe, you know, but it seems like it's something that we've gotten away with every year. And that if it's all about like, existing in the margins and hoping that some Congress is going to improve your ability to pay these things that you contractually signed with these people or to give, or to give people that move all the time that are bearing a, there's still a burden, you know, for their service to the nation, like less or, or more stability in that choice. Like you would just do it, man. It, you know, it should be agnostic of your political party or, or what you're trying to pass in Congress, man. Like that should just be one of the constants as an American that we support. And if, if, if we're not doing it, then, then that sucks. But, I don't know. I also, I also am not 100% sure that that's exactly what happened. I just, that's, that's my <laughs> understanding of it. And I'm sure the comment section will sort that out. <laughs> yeah. The Cody Akshak uh, welcomes wild speculation. Yeah, wild so, speculation. Yeah. yeah. It's 20% <laughs> truth of what I know about bonuses. Yeah. No, I, I dig it. The, uh, well, that's, that's good because yeah, I, I hadn't got a great explanation that that seems uh, like a very viable one of what yeah. what had had happened. You, well, you do though. Like, it makes you like mad at the Air Force. You're like, why can't we get our stuff together? You know what I mean? How we allocate money? But there is like we are beholden to the halls of Congress and a lot of committees for a lot of the things that we would like to do, and a lot of the things that we don't like are are byproducts of things that are beyond the control of of the higher ups. And you know they're going to take a lot of spears for them, but you know maybe we just don't if there's not enough money to support all the things, like something's got to give, we should still be able to complain about everything. It's our God-given right as fighter pilots. But like a lot of times right, there's not, right. there's not a ton that folks can do. Just their best, you know, just doing the best. Well, and I think that's the tough thing is like, you know, I mean, leadership in the air force, like good, bad, however you want to look at it is they have spent a lifetime working to get into these positions and they are still, have to go to Congress to get the funding, get the allocation. Cause like right now we're talking about how the F 15 EX, the new thing, the, the jet that's supposed to show up to Fresno. I mean, Portland is supposed to divest their jets. I think it's October one 
and get the EX. And we don't have any. And so I don't know if we're, if it's like, again, this posturing where we're just moving jets out. We're divesting and we're getting rid of them to force the production and the purchase of these aircraft. Or if we're literally not like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing and we're getting rid of jets before the next jets are off the line. Like that's, that's a question that I have for multiple bases. Yeah. Right now. And that sucks dude, because it, it doesn't matter. Like, is that their fault? Probably not. There's, there's a lot of money that goes into that, but what you would like is enough transparency to, to plan your life around. You know, you would, you would like enough transparency to plan your life around and be like, look, if I got to be a fireman for a while, like tell me there's some stuff <laughs> yeah. I got to do to get some calls you know, to get this second job in. And I think that I think it's tough to get that information from, from the people because nobody realizes with, with budget cuts and who's signing what in Congress, like what, what the landscape is going to look like for the fighter force and the guard, you know, that people don't really know. Like it, it makes a lot of sense to brag bases. If you're bracking guard bases to save a ton of money, you know what I mean? It yeah. makes a lot of sense if, if they're going to divest the, the ASA, the, the alert mission from the Air National Guard, which is keeping a lot of this open, like, what, what are you going to do with that with that guard base, man? And you're like, look, whatever whatever they want to save money so that they can still fulfill or have, like, a good game plan to fulfill their strategic goals in the future as they pertain to probably the end pay count. And that's all cool to say, but, like, tell me, man, you know? Yeah. There's stuff. There's stuff I can do. You know what I mean? Like I maybe I gotta drop these United apps quicker. You know what I mean? Like I'll be fine. <laughs> Just tell me. Yeah. What, yeah well, and what were you gonna say, Rowdy? I was gonna say kind of the same thing as far as like the T7 basing, right? Uh, trying to figure that out because right, ACC has the reforge idea, right? And then AETC obviously doesn't want to give up the T7, and then also Boeing is delayed. Right, so it just got pushed back another. Like, we're not even supposed to get it till calendar year, calendar year twenty nine right now in Columbus, and we get it second. Randolph gets it first, which is I think in twenty seven, possibly a, a little bit sooner. But it's been pushed back again. But all I'd say, like ACC and AETC can fight all they want, or they where they where they want the T sevens to go. Like it's going to come down to Congress, most likely, because then you also have the. We're not going to go down this road, but I'll just mention it real quick. So T1s are going away, right? And so they have AMFS and AMFF, which is like Air Mobility Fundamentals Simulator, and then Air Mobility Fundamentals Flying. And they're installing these Redbird sims, and Vance is already doing it, and then they're installing them right now, actually in the building that I work in. Uh, and I suppose it's gonna go, T1's gonna be sim only. So wings out of T6s, sims, and then go to your FTU from there, which is crazy, right? So then if you think Whoa. T1s go away, and now you think about, oh, well, T7s don't end up going to Columbus, like, what are we looking at? <laughs> like, yeah. T6 only? But once again, that's like Congress-level decisions. So anyway. Well, and was there a time, I thought it was at Columbus, when they closed the T38 engine shop, or they didn't renew the contract or something? So there was, maybe it wasn't Columbus, but... It was effectively like, ah, the, you know, we signed the paper that said we're going to have the T7 by 23 or something. Uh, and then nobody ever told the engine shop that the T7 wasn't there. So it was like, oh, we're done with those motors for the plane that we have to use. But, ooh. I know we have yeah, do you have problems. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that was specifically at Columbus, but uh, oh, okay. I do not know. 
Yeah, it's it's just tough because I mean we're we're in this spot where we like this this is one of my speculations. I've made the speculation before. I wonder what you guys think of it. So we we bought the Raptor, so the F twenty two, and we're like we're gonna buy six hundred of them, and then we bought like two hundred and some change, and then the original B two purchase was like I don't know a hundred, and we bought like twelve, and then the F thirty five is like oh we're gonna buy like four thousand. And now it's like, we're going to buy like 1700 if we're lucky. Do we just make a fictional purchase number to make the price per unit low enough so people are willing to pay it? And then we just don't buy them all? And then we're like, ah, it's fine. Like, because yeah. it's just weird. It's like, at some point, it's not a deviation. It's our tactic. And we just keep executing it in different ways, you know? Like, I don't know. If, spec- if my opinion on the House Armed Services Committee is open, then we can certainly speculate to that. Yeah. Always open. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is surely open. <laughs> That's fine. What do you guys think? I mean, it's just, it's just wild to me that we keep with it, whether it's the T7 or whatever, we, we have this idea of a purchase and we never seem to get there. And is it because we don't have a long enough vision <clears throat> and the ability to like start, plan, and execute a plan or is it because we, you know, we keep changing over so we don't have any follow through. I mean, part of it could just I be have a hard time. Uh, go ahead. Drago, go. I just have a hard time assigning that much intelligence into that game plan for yeah. how we acquire <laughs> for our acquisitions pro- uh, process for airplanes. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it's calculated. I think we're just bad at it. Like, like the United States of us, you know what I mean? Not necessarily the Air Force, but like the entire chain. I think it's just a very... Uh, your mic's thing. messed up again. Yeah, your oh, mic's well, messed up again. It was working for a while, too. In my, yeah. it's, it's, in my back, you got this? This is gold. Yeah, you're good now. Yeah. No, I just, I think, I think it's probably just a, a pretty arduous process to run through to appropriately acquire aircraft on time, you know? And I think that we're just, we just completely underperform it. I don't think it's calculated. But it would yeah. be it's it would it would be nice if we did that on purpose, I guess. Yeah. You'd be like proud of them. Yeah, I'd be like, that's yeah. a great tactic, but I that's not what I think is happening. Yeah. I don't like you don't you don't walk into AOC and be like, these guys are nailing it. You know what I mean? Like it's not you're just like, oh it's bad, you're cool. You know? Yeah. Well there was uh there was that quote, um oh, who was it? It was uh Thomas Sowell. And maybe it was him or maybe he was quoting somebody else, but he said, uh, why apply malice when ignorance will do? And yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of like that where you're like, yeah. uh, you don't, you don't have to be, be acting in, in bad faith. You're just acting bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was yeah. unintentional. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Rowdy, what, uh, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that, uh, the, yeah, the acquisition process, like it's the process itself is just so uh, you know, it's long and arduous. Like it's not like Lockheed just had, you know, 2,400 F-35s hanging out and like, hey, you want to buy this? Kind of like we go to the store and buy groceries, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to build it. Okay. And this is going to be like a 10 year process. Got it. Right. So I think a lot of that could go into it. Then also like the changing state of like what's going on. Like when we do cash for 20 years and the A-10 sticks around because that's what we're doing. Right. And then now we're like, oh, we forgot about these other big powers that are, you know, showing up. And now that starts to shift a mindset. 
I just, yeah. Ignorance is by far, I definitely not malice. I think it's just ignorance, and then everybody wants their piece of the pie, right? And when you get to, yeah. it's just, sometimes you wish you could just like throw it out with a product, and that's the thing with the T7 that kind of, uh, kind of perturbs me, if you will. We'll say family friendly on this show. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, Right, so like the F35 kind of, I gave it some leeway, right? Like we've all had the briefs on it, like, you know, behind closed doors. You're like, okay, yeah, I got it. That's why it was delayed or this sound, that's awesome. I want that, right? So it makes sense for a tactical fighter to improve capabilities over the course of like the acquisition process. It was still super late. I'm not giving it a buy. I'm just saying I am not happy with the fact that the T7 is so far behind when it is a trainer. Nothing classified about it. Like, just give me a trainer. And I actually, so I got to brief General Robertson. I think that's how you say his name. Three-star ATC commander. Uh, I don't know. On fighter bomber fundamentals. And because he was, like, trying to, he's like, well, how do we, that's what he said. He said, Rowdy, how do we make this program shorter? And I'm like, sir, not to cop out or anything, but you give me an airplane built this century. That's all I need. Like, we can cut the transition time in half. Like, we could literally, like, the T-38 is such a hard airplane to fly, and it's so unforgiving, that we have to spend literally two months just teaching, like, with someone in your backseat to make sure you don't kill yourself to fly this airplane. So, yeah, you want to know how to make this program shorter, it's give me an airplane built this century, which we're already a quarter of the way through almost. So, like I said, I'm not poo-pooing on the T-38. It's done great. But you can't tell me with a straight face that we are going to train fifth and sixth gen fighter pilots on a first generation airplane built in the 50s, right? It's laughable. And uh, as we've, as you, as y'all have seen from our text messages over the past year, right, going through the upgrade of the T38, seeing how just stuck in the 1990s, if not nom, we are with kind of how we can show these dudes rate fight versus radius fight, you know, and there's. It's only like a, in the HUD is the only sensor, like, WES, if you will, when it's like, dude, th we are so far beyond that. Like, this is not NOM. Like, we, and not being able to train, like, the T-38 is the limiting factor. And that has been driving me nuts, the fact that the T-7 is so delayed. Because I have gotten to fly the sim, and it does look pretty cool, and I think it's going to be awesome just because, for the mere fact that it's trimmed to 1G. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense, right? Because the T38, I forgot all about this, but I got my T38, took off, and I was like, why am I pushing on the stick to keep myself level? Or like, what's trim, right? It's something we take for granted in the uh, you know, fighter community because everything's trimmed for 1G, and it's absolutely epic. But you're constantly running the trim in the T38 because it's a simple, mechanically, what, hydraulically controlled, mechanically actuated system, and so there's, there's no flickus. Sorry, guys, I'm letting yeah. it out. I, I've got don't, to let it out. No, I don't. Hey, best, best IP, Rowdy, go in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, all I have to say, T7, like, they need to hurry that thing up. And I don't understand why it's taking so long. Like, I, I'll give the F35 a, a slight buy, but not a trainer. Like, just give me something built this, this century, and then we might be able to train fifth gen fighters. So, we don't really know what the sixth gen is yet. I don't think yeah. so. I don't think there's anybody in a position to plan a war that doesn't think that we should have like thousands of more F-35s nor, and, and do they want that, especially when you think about Indo-PACOM. So I don't think that that's calculated. I think that people are genuinely sad that we don't have more F-35s. Uh, but like, I mean, the backlog of things like T-7s in our acquisitions process, like those are all, those are all causal to why we don't have that thing, right? Like we can't turn enough pilots and, 
and get them full up on like fifteen interface and tactics. What are we doing with those airplanes anyway? But Roddy, you were talking about the FBF, and dude, I didn't know anything about that, <laughs> which I should have said initially about the Armed Services Committee. Um, <laughs> but uh, can, do can you talk to me about? Is that part of the UPT syllabus now? Fighter bomber fundamentals is that what that means? Okay, so it's it's interesting. Uh, well, let's go to the start. So Air Crew Summit twenty twenty one, right? So we're talking a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, back in Nam. Uh, yeah. The Honorable General C.Q. Brown. Okay. So like from this, I don't know if y'all have ever seen one of these documents, but basically, like, hey, here's what we talked about, and then here's what we decided type thing. Decision number three, I think as it was labeled, was two words. Terminate IFF. That's it. So that was Air Crew Summit 2021 in March, March of 21. Okay, fast forward till last December, so December of 22. They have another air crew summit, and apparently uh, CQ Brown got a little angry and was like, y'all haven't done anything. Like, where where are we with getting rid of IFF slash fighter bomber fundamentals? And now, side note to that, when we contracted Boeing to build the T-7, they were going to kind of give us a, provide a syllabus with it, kind of like, hey, here's how you should train. Okay. And then now that the T7 is so delayed, and then now CQ Brown was like, hey, y'all gotta change something. Like, fighter bomber fundamentals, go. That got everybody spun up, hence me getting the job while I was still in the upgrade program <laughs> at Columbus. Because if you think about it, uh, they needed students, right, with the UPT environment, and uh, they also needed IFF. Vance and Laughlin do not have IFF, right? Randolph doesn't have students. They have IFF, but they don't have UPT students. Shepard is a whole other animal with NATO, right? So Columbus, we're not special. We're just the only ones that actually have UPT students and have IFF organically there. So they took the graduate pilot training syllabus, so T-38s, and they took the IFF syllabus and just put them together. And they said, here's fighter bomber fundamentals. This is how we're going to get started. So class one started back in June here at, uh, at Columbus. And for ease of transition, nothing really changed but except for the name. Like I said, they, they used the word bolt-on syllabus <laughs> and they literally just combined it. But that gets to the problem of, well, what do you do with your IP cadre? Because you have 11 Ks, as I discussed earlier, teaching the, in the 50th, so the graduate pilot training portion, and then you have all the 11 Fs and IFF, and that is, not even just the pilots, but then also the jets themselves are maintained differently, right? So if you look back at your logbooks, you're going to see you have T-38C time, and then you have T-38C IFF time. So even the harm, right, so air resource management group, whatever they are, the, the, the SARMs, they track the time differently. Maintenance does it differently, right? So maintenance treats the IFF jets, they have to inspect everything a whole lot uh, more because we are just, you know, tr we're not taking off and landing and doing TP stalls, right? We are fighting. We were ripping that thing to idle. We are ripping, you know, sending it to max AB and just jinking it, you know, we were disrespecting these airplanes, <laughs> you know, uh, in ways that UPT isn't. So that's kind of been my job is like, well, how do we essentially combine the 49th and the 50th IP cadre? And it's, it's insane uh, if you want to think about how separated IFF and T-38 training is in the books, because it is the same airplane. And I've had this talk with 
multiple generals now at this time. That it's like they were like, well, why can't you just all start teaching the same thing? I was like, I don't think you get it. Like we in the IFF did not go through PIP. Therefore, that counts as MQT per the T2 T38 Vol 1. So we are not qualified to go teach traffic pattern stalls. And the first thing an AIB, so an accident investigation board, is going to say after like, well, why was Rowdy flying this dude's dollar ride? He's an IFF instructor. He's not a, a T38, right? So like that, we got to look at it from that perspective. And if you look in the Vol 1, Vol 2, Vol 3, everything is separated between IFF and UPT as far as like CT requirements, CT beams, you know, everything, like how we can use airplanes. And it's to the point as they're almost two different MDSs. Rowdy, real real quick, because I, I got how how is somebody else not proactive with that piece of information? Yeah. How did, how did somebody else not see if you were just gonna merge two syllabi that are that frankly are poorly defined, and I'm sure nobody told you how to make that process seamless with two different IP cadre with different qualifications? Like, how is that game plan not available to you? Like, why is that your job? Exactly. Well, exactly. And uh, so we were working with the 19th Air Force staff, which I would say technically this is their job. And then uh, we're also working with Dad 24, who developed the FBF syllabus currently. Uh, is that the same dude who did PTN? Are those the PTN guys? PTN guys are Dad 24, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But well, let me, I'll wrap up the student side of FBF. I do think it's a good thing. And here's why. I, uh, so I, I think. One of the things that I don't like about IFF is how short the program is. Like we don't really get to know students. Like we have graduation every three weeks, right? New class starts every three weeks. It's, it, and so therefore they're not getting exposed to 11Fs that much. It's kind of like a big, you know, here's a fire hose and now go, FTU. Whereas now if we combine the two squadrons, we will now have, or sorry, with fighter bomber fundamentals, we will now have the students for six months or so, right? So you have them long enough to get to know them and right now the syllabus is literally just bolted on and nothing really, nothing significant change. But I think over time, yeah, I, I know where you're going with that. No, I'm sure that I apologize. <laughs> yeah. So over time, that should change. Like we would, you would see more of like, hey, here's transition so you don't kill yourself. Then ideally after that, we can go into instrument snap, low level formation and BFM and surface attack and other stuff like that, kind of all mixed in together before they leave at the end of the syllabus. And then once T7 comes on, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll change. But I do think it'll be a good thing. But right now it's just a, I was gonna use a bad word. Let's say uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's disturbing how disjointed it is, especially for the, uh, the IP side of the house, right? So the students right now, they're not seeing anything different. Like, they don't see any different, and per the regs, like the eleven Ks can teach. They're calling it transition phase and composite phase, and then IFF teaches employment phase, which is just another term for IFF, right? But once it starts mixing over here over the next couple of years, like we gotta have an FBF instructor pit essentially, because an FBF instructor is not defined anywhere. It is in no reg, and we can't. I say you can. You we we can dual qual, right? So if I went to pit or if we found a way to make that happen, but now I would have to have two mission checks, right? So you've got your instrument check, and then I would have to have a mission check for IFF, and I'd have to have a mission check for UPT side of the house, which is absolutely insane if you span that across, you know, 50 IPs, you know, for the whole thing. So it's, it's, it's been interesting exploring the regs in ways that I never wanted to. 
to try to, try to make this work in a smart way uh, that takes operational risk management into account and then also the the toughness of being proficient at flying the T-38 in a dogfighting or surface attack mentality. Because it really, like, if, I, if you take a week off, like even the F-16, it's like that, or even the Eagle, I'm sure, Vader, but the T-38, man, like I said, it's already the hardest airplane you're ever going to fly. And if you take a week off, like, you probably need to go fly CT your first go, because you're going to suck, especially if you're doing defensive, and then you're going to get back into it. So now, say we did it like we do with the B course, right, where you stick with one class, and you do transition, and then you go into BFM, then you go into TI, BSA, OPSAT, and then back to transition. You know, you know what I mean? The F-16 is easy enough yeah. to fly, as it should, should be. Then that's not a big deal. Whereas the T-38, like if we did that, like you'd have to give the IPs a solid like two weeks of CT spin up before we start doing the employment phase again because of literally just the T-38 itself. Uh, so anyway, I'm trying to figure out how to do it smartly and how to not break a lot of rules. <laughs> in the process but that's currently what i'm doing with the, with the fbf rowdy are you going to have to you're talking about sending iff guys to pit to get those calls are you going to have to do ipug upgrades for every single upt ip to also be called to teach fbf rights no so that's where it gets interesting and we would not send our IF. so we're still doing the legacy syllabus stuff right so like we there's no pause it's not like hey time out iff go to pit like we're so i have I with uh, Dozer, Martin, good dude, strike eagle guy, and uh, we essentially put together a locally developed syllabus that would allow us to cross train. And what, what our goal was not to make a full round, right? So IFF guy, he can teach IFF, nailed it. He finished the UI, as we call it for some reason, upgraded instructor program. And so now he's a qualified IFF instructor. We want him to now be able to teach at least some portion of the syllabus in the 50th. So what I've kind of proposed is, well, what if we just do a locally developed program that allows him to be IPOR, so IP of record, for the guys in the pilot training side of the house for formation and formation only. And maybe one dude wants to say, hey, you know what, I'll go teach instruments and navigation so I can go cross country on the weekends. But now it can be IPOR, but just for that mission set or phase. So now you turn it to a letter of X's, and you can track who's qualified for what versus making a full up round. Right now, the regs do not allow for that, like at all. <clears throat> so we're trying to figure out that portion. Now, to your, to your real question, how do we take these non-fighter pilot types that are teaching in T-38 land to teach in IFF? And the... The real argument is I would say we don't. They don't have enough time on station. And if you look at the entry requirements, I did have to, I did write this waiver and I sent it to 19th because it's pretty funny. Uh, it said wave pit for all the IFF guys, which obviously that's kind of funny, but that's literally where we are. And then uh, we have to waive every single entry requirement to be an instructor in IFF. Number one, the fact that they are a fighter pilot uh, and they've flown a fighter aircraft within the last five years. Uh, second, they have to be a four-ship flight lead, and they have to have at least 500 hours in fighter-type airplanes. Like those are those are your requirements to be an IFF instructor. So now you're saying, oh, well, let me take this C-17 dude, who once again, no, no offense to them, but went through 38 training and now is teaching in T-38s. It has no fighter experience, and you want to make him teach fighter stuff. Like 
I don't know about you, but if they wanted me to go to C-17 school and teach there, I'd be like, uh, no, that's not what I'm qualified to do. Uh, so we're trying to figure out a way to let the 50th IPs essentially become direct support and potentially go further. So the door will be there, but that will be a leadership decision and based on ORM, right? And then however they want to skin the cat uh, to, to see how far they want to go. So what our goal would be is take the 11Fs that are currently in the 50th who meet those quals, right? And we can use them full spectrum. But then take anybody that doesn't meet those qualifications, be like, okay, maybe we can get them to be a defensive BFM direct support only. So they fly an offensive bandit profile, right? So if we can teach them to enter a turn circle and not floor mort and go min AB versus max, right? We could potentially get them to that level. You know what I mean? Uh, but we did throw down what they have to go through IFF first as a student. So we did actually send a fake and a U-28 uh, pilot, uh, so SEAL assignment guy, right, so still a young captain, he went to uh, 338s and then went U-28s, and now he's back in the 38. So he's 11S by trade. So we took those two and we sent them to Randolph to go through IFF. They completed IFF as students, so now it's like, okay, well now we're going to start them on the direct support role to see if they can fly the bandit profile, see how that goes, six to nine months, and then possibly upgrade them from there. But it's, it's, a, it's a test case, so we're trying. There's no way they got the throughput. There's no way they're going to tell you to send every IP that you want to fly direct support through an IFF program that they're trying to get rid of, man. Yeah. Well, that's so. I, that it's point, cool to write down. I agree. That's the that's the thing. But they're going to be like negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, think oh, about how many of those sorties they're generating. Like sending but, dudes TDY for that, and well, and oh, yeah. the one thing we haven't we haven't talked about yet, and and Rowdy, you did hit on it a little bit, is like. An IP, an IFF instructor pilot, doesn't fly offensive, defensive, doesn't fly BFM for a couple weeks, and then comes back to it and is like rusty. Now you have a B course student, and what I imagine the syllabus is going to be is something similar to the F-16, where it's like you flew TR, you flew some instruments, here's your tactical sortie, then back to instruments, back to BFM-1 offensive, back to some TR ride, then two weeks later, you're flying BFM two, which is your next offensive ride. And these kids are going to have no consistency because in IFF, that's all it was. You did yeah. tactical sorties, like attack, like turn, like a formation sortie to make demo pro. And then you did offensive, offensive demo pro. And then or three and then demo pro either way. It was like, that's all you fly. Yeah. Where if you're now, are they going to literally like connect these all where, they're going to be opted for so many different sorties. They could bounce from like in the F-16. It's like, okay, you've been doing BSA all week. You got your DSA, uh, DCA sim on Friday. You know, like, is that what's going to happen to these kids in graduate or uh, FBF? I would say no time soon. Like I could see something potentially like that down the road once T7's online. Uh, because like, I will say the T, like when I got to go out there and do the sim, like they're, there are some cool things in that airplane. Like, there's a cool way, like, you will be able to do more stuff. Like, it has a synthetic targeting pod. It has a synthetic radar. It has, like, this mode you can kind of put in there. Like, you put, like, fake targets out there. I think they're going to try to put LVC in it as well. So, like, you can do some cool No wonder things. it's so delayed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to operate the jet. Like, yeah. 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 But, oh, yeah. So, it's got Napa leather, too. Like, yeah, right. You guys doing it. 
So really, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think years down the road from now, you could see that once the T7 happens. But with the T38, no. I think it's going to still be fairly linear. I think you're going to do transition. And then when you enter a phase, this is Rowdy's idea. This is not on paper anywhere. Nobody's approved it. It's just what I'm thinking. I think after you finish transition, and then now you can get to a phase where it's like, okay, dude, now, because like, once again, we're not teaching all those different mission sets. We could just be like, hey, dude, we're going to take off from Columbus. We're going to fly a low level, and then we're going to do BSA at a range, and then we're going to land at Birmingham, uh, you know, shoot a few instrument approaches there, land, eat, and then go to the airspace on the way back, do some BFM, and then land, you know, something like that. It's an out and back. It's, it combines all of them in, in some respects. A little lunch and leave. I like what's it. The, what's the stress <laughs> level for the kid you're telling that to? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's trying, he memorized decision height like seven times last night, and he's trying to remember how to do it for tuck under jink or whatever. You do it T-38s, that's, that's tough, dude. Yeah. Well, Poor hear kid. me out, though. Yeah. It is a lot more simple. Like, no, no, there's no radar. There's nothing to worry about there. And this would be I – would, I would see this being more of it happening – Formation as much as possible. Flight yeah. lead is the IP, and he's in a different airplane. And But he's also planning with the student, kind of showing, hey, man, this is how we do this, this is how we do that, uh, versus just, hey, student, plan the low level, and then I'll poo-poo your idea when you come back to me. Yeah. Like, I would see it more of like, hey, dude, almost like a, you're under my wing. We're going to go do this. We're going to fly this. We're going to do this for me. And pretty, like, trying to get him to do wingman things, but not UPT style where it's just like, you do it, and then I'll grade you on everything. If that makes so sense. So I think I think it's a great idea, dude. I, w- I wasn't. I it builds airmanship for sure to be able to hopscotch that and 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 do all those things. Like it makes you a better pilot. I'm just saying I would have hooked a couple. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to see that one. Again. Yeah, dude. I just said yeah. I have a couple more losses on the record, man. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the things that I don't think we think about is the complexity, of the planning of the tools. So like I was talking to somebody at Luke Air Force Base the other day and he's uh, in the 35TX or IPUG now. And uh, he was saying that if you're going to like create from scratch a scenario, you have to build it. So one, you know, you mission plan it, which is understandable. Then you have to coordinate with the contract, the the SAM. So the simulated surface to air missiles, you have to con- like uh, coordinate with the LVC. You have to coordinate with your red air. So he's like, everything is like a large force engagement where you have, exercise, exactly. You're like mission commanding, like deconfliction and you've got your red air. You got a brief and then you've got your LVC that's going to play. And then you've got to make sure your SAMs are playing and all your timings. Right. And he's like, people just won't do it. Cause like on a Tuesday, or a Monday morning that, you know, you fly Friday afternoon and then you're, you're doing one of these things on Monday morning. Are you really going to plan an entire scenario or are you just going to like rinse and repeat or just be like, you know what, we'll just go do some simple thing instead of this like big war, which would be good training and an awesome fight, but you just don't have time for it, you know? Right, and that's what I was saying from the T-38 perspective. You literally start the engines, and then you test the flight controls, and then, like, you take off. Like, the yeah. <laughs> like ground ops are not it's, what they were in the fighter. <laughs> that's true, yeah. but you think, like, w- well, when you were talking about the T-7, and now we've got the synthetic targeting pods, like, that, we're, that's mission planning. Like, someone's planning oh, yeah. 
whatever that synthetic targeting pod or radar or, or whatever the simulation is going to be like it, it's either pre-built or, and it's off the shelf then after, or you as the student in IP, like student in IP are now building all these things. Cause you want the low level, the, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I'm not saying they're bad, but like what I, what I never thought about previously was then the problem is not, not having these things. The problem becomes planning, the coordination, the, all of the other things that leads people to not use it anyway, now that you've even spent millions of dollars on it. And that's, yeah. Well, and the only thing I would say is you could probably, like based on, once again, UPT base and our standard airspace that we have, like that's not really changing. Like we're not, I'm sure we would like, go across country and do something. But for the most part, you could have CAN scenarios for Echo MOA, North MOA, and Birmingham MOA. You know, it doesn't change until somebody's like, I'm tired of this and then wants to change it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then like, the and then they can't work. figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, what right. I did with the seed sims at Holloman. I was like, we're changing everything. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> the emitters I picked didn't work. And I was like, they were like, we're, we're going back. back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Undo it. Did I save the original? What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Yeah, the, uh, oh man. Well, sweet. Well, guys, this is, uh, we've, we've been here for a while. Hopefully the first half of this, uh, this chat was saved, but you know, that's future us problems, but, uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, uh, to chat. I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys go here, but before we do that, uh, what, what's on your mind? Like, what's the thing that Drago in the guard flying the block thirties, like what makes you guys nervous and then rowdy, IFF instructor, FBF planner, what what's making you nervous? Uh, Drago, you can go first. Yeah, dude, in the guard, it's uh, it's the fourth generation cycle and how we fit into it, man. Like they they completely redid or started using the old uh, uh, fourth generation, the F4 gen thing, and didn't necessarily sync up the phases with us. So like your bills to pay for large exercises, they call them revs now, as well as. Um, <clears throat> You're actually like mission generation forces, which are your ops and your maintenance going downrange. They're trying to make that a lot more uh, predictable, but it's with the with the exercises you have to do between so the revs and then the spin up for your deployments and then the actual deployments themselves, uh, and then whatever pop up ACE requirements you have, like you're just you're starting to do more things and you're starting to do more things at a time when it's a little bit harder to retain people because that's not what it was supposed to be like in the guard. And you don't have the same stability as far as what, what's going to happen. Like you, you thought you were getting F-15 EXs and you haven't seen them, 
right? Yeah. So a lot of guard units are in a position where you're like, I don't know what the next thing is, but I'm, I like hear these rumors. It might be this or, or whatever. And if you think, if they told you you were getting airplanes and you don't have them, the unknowns for units that don't know what their future is going to be, are, like that's a, that's a huge thing. And it's a, lot to, it's a lot to have on your plate when you are also staring in the face of doing more things by requirement because there's more requirements out there for exercises and for deployments. Uh, not to mention part of your forces in a guard unit are now on this XAB construct, which is like the sports support side. And there's a green bag toll to pay for that. And those are six month deployments that are out of cycle with your mission gen deployments. So you could have a guy who deploys and then comes back and then in the air national guard is tagged as a green bagger to go somewhere for six months to be on an A staff or to be the safety rep, you know? And like, you gotta, you gotta do it. Like you raised your hand to do it, but those are parts of being in the guard now and those are fairly unpopular. So uh, is a way to say that. Um, (laughs) That's what, that's what is, it would be okay if it would be a lot more manageable if we knew what we were going to get, what the timeframes look like, what the, what the strategic outlook for bracking bases or maintaining bases, or if people knew where Spacecom was going to be, you know? But the, the unknowns there that, that have ripple effects down to the Air National Guard, they make the increased bill for the time commitments and the time away from home a little bit less palatable, I guess. So that's, yeah. that's it. I, I offer no solutions. I'm just telling you those are the problems. <laughs> that's all right. That's all we got to do here. Yeah, the, uh, well, and, and you're, you're so right because, I mean, as a per, another person who's in the Guard, like, Jets, oh, 27, checks in the mail. Like, yeah, right. Checks in your mouth, like, same thing with T7. Yeah. Like, and then, like, Boise, Idaho, uh, you're getting Vipers. What Vipers? From where? Yeah, from where? Who's? Yeah, and it's like, well, we don't know. And you're like, all right, well, this this is not a good start to this conversation. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And the fact that these revs and all this stuff, like, your entire base as a whole is operating men-manned at different times. Because it's yes. like some people are in different deployment cycles, so everybody's one person deep in every shop around the base, and it's like, this is this is not a long term solution that's going to do anything other than make the guard feel like the active duty, and that's not the answer. Rowdy, what do you got? Well, I think I just talked about it for like thirty five minutes. So okay, <laughs> we'll push that up. So is FBF? FBF and yeah, just the state of the. <clears throat> The 38 man, like it's just, it's, it's well past its prime. And I think that's my biggest problem right now is just like, we, we pushed it as far as we can. Like there's only so much you can do in a airplane that was built in the fifties. And trying to translate that, this is what I've lost sleep over, right? Uh, As I've texted y'all along the way, when I came to the conclusion that it's just the 38, like we, we can't really do anything else with it. So sticking to, they are fundamentals, right? Uh, but they're fundamentals that don't necessarily translate to current threats. And therefore, I think we could do better, but we need another airplane uh, to do that. And in the meantime, I, I've taken, it's, it's really just instilling the fighter pilot attitude into them and then just like yeah you now know what a 10 20 and 30 degree wire looks like you know how to you know what a strafe looks like like that's easy enough but as far as the dog fighting it's just it's good but it's also it could be better right and that's i would say that's what i'm 
that's my biggest angst. Like, just give me a T7. Give me something. Go buy T50s for crying out loud. Like, just go buy something off the shelf. Get me something yeah. to replace this airplane. And we had maintenance issues this week that were pretty iffy regarding engines. And, like, J85 problems is, is a big issue. <laughs> it's like, and everybody's referred to, oh, it's a death trap and all that stuff. It's like, really? It's just old. So it would be nice if we could just get another airplane. Yeah, I do. I don't like. I don't like that the idea to merge a syllabus and then and then completely uh, fold in two separate IP cadres. Like, be, is your problem with no outline on how to do it? You know what I mean? That's not. That's not the intent of the exercise. Like, writing little reservist uh, in uh, Columbus. Like, you're. I mean, you're the guy to do it. So that's nice, but that's not your job. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, I'm glad, like, I'm glad yeah. you're you, man. But like, somebody was like, "Hey, we're doing this new thing, and we don't have a plan." Here you go, and like, you're on your ninth sortie of the week, you know? Yeah. And that has to be that has to be somebody else's function. Is the point of that? Like, I'm glad you're a great dude, but that that sucks. When I I think one of the one of the things we we spoke about previously is that when it comes to massive money, expensive uh, like equipment. All those things, that's congressionally allocated. Yeah. Like three-star generals, four-star generals, they, they don't have ultimate control over those. But they have ultimate control over their syllabi, over how their people spend their time. And that's where they're doing it. Like it's, it seems like it's almost putting the cart before the horse here. But it's, it's all they have control over. So they're like, well, let's do what we can control and then hope Congress and everybody who actually controls the allocation of these things does something to help us out because – at this point, it's just like, I don't know, just making it happen, which yeah, I get it. Like when you're a line IP and you're making it happen, you're like, I'm probably the only one. Like everybody else is probably like, you know, 80 scope, like, oh, yeah, we got this totally doped. And it's like, oh, we're all just yeah. making it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those boys are golfing. That's true. Yeah, they're not even in the jet. They're, that's uh, they're right, worried about, yeah. Man, I'm shot 81 today that's terrible but all right well we got to get out of here but guys thanks again we'll uh we'll have to do this another time and uh but yeah it's good seeing you guys again hey you guys are the best see you hey i'm gonna try to take jets out to uh columbus Roddy. i'll do the thing yeah come on down I'll let you awesome. know. I- hey yeah and everybody all the stuff like share subscribe even though i don't need to say it and uh donations are always open in the show notes and i'll add more show notes uh to help people know if they want to listen or not because i got lazy on that when the listener said something so i appreciate you keeping me honest all right bye everybody everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.